Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, Today we are starting a series uh, on the book of Colossians. And so a few times a year we walk through systematically um, a book of the Bible. And uh, and so we're going to, over the next about eight weeks, walk through the book of Colossians together. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you in your private, personal prayer time and your reading time, take some time to walk through Colossians with us, uh, read ahead, uh, and really let this word sink into you. And so what we do during this series is we're just going to go line by line, walk through what, uh, what the word of God says for us today. Because so many times what we try to do is apply uh, the word of God to our lives, and we get into trouble with that because then we start, um, we start taking things out of context and we start kind of massaging the edges a little bit and we can take out things we don't like. But what we should do instead is apply our lives to the Word of God and say, okay, instead of how do I change the Word of God to make it fit me, how do I change me to make it fit the Word of God? Does that make sense to anybody? And so really that's what we're attempting to do during this series. So we're going to walk through the book of Colossians together, but today I want to give you a little bit of an introduction to it so you can understand some of the context as we move through it. Uh, When we say it's a book, for those of you that are new to church or or new to Summit, uh, when we say it's a book of the Bible, it's a little bit of a misnomer. It's really a letter. It was a letter written by uh, the Apostle Paul. It was written while he was imprisoned in Rome, and it was written around the same time that he wrote um, the letter to the church at Ephesus, the the book of Ephesians. Uh, He also wrote a letter to Philemon. Uh, It was delivered at the same time as the Colossian letter, Uh, and so those are written at the same time. And then the book of Philippians, all four of those uh, books have been covered here. So over the last couple of years here at Summit, uh, we've covered the book of Ephesians and Philippians. And just a few weeks ago, we spent one day on the book of Philemon and kind of walked through that together as well. And so these four books are kind of known as the prison epistles because what happened was Paul was imprisoned. I just spit all over the front row, by the way. <laughs> That's why people don't sit on the front row. Um, Paul wrote this, these, these four letters while he was imprisoned in Rome. And so what he did was he didn't just sulk in the fact that he was imprisoned, but he used that time for the glory of God. And so many of us, we go through seasons of our life and we waste our, our the, the meantime. Does that make sense? Have you ever heard somebody, anybody say, well, in the meantime, I'm going to. And that basically means till, I, till what I need to happen happens, this is what I'm going to do. And Paul didn't waste his meantime. His prison time was spent writing letters encouraging the body. And uh, he continued to minister in spite of his circumstance. So he, he wrote these four prison epistles, and we've covered them over the last couple of years. Um, but Philippians and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Philemon and Colossians were written at the same time. The man that, that Philemon, the letter was written to, he was in the church. He was probably one of the elders, one of the leaders of the church uh, there at Colossae. And so they sent these letters together um, to the church. So again, when I say it's a book, it's, it's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, the, the letter, um, the city of Colossae was um, a Roman province or is a city in the Roman province. It was in modern day Turkey. It was about 120 miles from uh, what was known as Ephesus at that time. And so it was a little bit of a distance away. Paul didn't actually start the church in Colossae. He actually, uh, one of his followers started the church, a man named Epaphras. Epaphras was saved under Paul's ministry in Ephesus. So when Paul went and he spent a few years starting the church in Ephesus, there was a guy that was in Ephesus from Colossae uh, named uh, Epaphras. Epaphras got saved. He never went to Bible college. 
He never went to seminary, but he went home back to his hometown and he began, uh, began a, a church, the church that we know as the Colossian Church. He also started a couple other churches in that area as well. Um, there, there were churches in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Uh, they were sister cities there locally, and he started churches in all these areas. And it's pretty incredible to me, and, I, and this is just a side note, I, I, would, I would tell you today, I truly believe that there are people sitting in this room today, that there are people that are attending this church, that your life has been changed by the, by the power of God, and you are excited about what God's doing in your life, and I'm telling you today, you might not feel qualified, but God's going to plant a church out of some of the people that are in this room, um, that, that God is, is not, you're not just going to be a part of it, you are going to be the leader of, and some of you are like, well, that's not going to be me. It might be, because I can guarantee you, uh, Epaphras probably didn't have any plans to do that until God got a hold of his life. And I'm, I'm believing that God's going to get a hold of, of some people's lives, and you're going to say to me, Mel, I, I don't know what it is. I just feel like I need to go plant a church, and we're going to get alongside you. We're going to help you. We're going to see God do amazing things. So this isn't something that just happened you know, a couple thousand years ago. I believe this is happening even today. Um, so let me move on before I make you totally uncomfortable. Uh, so Paul wrote the letter to the Colossian church, and it was in decline. Um, and I love the fact that Paul still found value in a town that was in decline. Uh, its best days were behind it. Um, it was even qualified. They had a, a large earthquake in 68 AD, and the Roman, um, the Roman government was going to support them to help pay for rebuilding. And they said, no, we don't need your help. Uh, we can do this on our own. And they didn't do a very good job of it. Uh, the Romans actually moved the, the main highway thoroughfare away from Colossi, uh, Colossi, and so as a result, the, the city was in decline. Does that sound like any areas you know of in western Pennsylvania? Well, all around us, there are towns that are in decline, and people go, oh, well, man, nothing good could happen there, and oh, it's bad, and, but at the end of the day, God can work in small places. God can work uh, in places that other people have given up on, and that's what we see happening here. Um, the Colossians had probably blended Jewish teaching with that of pagan and Greek teaching, and as a result, they had this watered-down version of Christianity, and Paul was trying to help correct that. And what we see is he's speaking to this culture that is polytheistic. So that just means they worshiped lots of gods. And if you have a different god than me, that's fine. Your god's totally fine. No issues, no problems. You serve you god, and I'll serve my god. And what would happen is there were all these gods being served. And as a result, Paul was trying to combat this. And he writes them and says, no, 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 there is not multiple gods. There is a god. There is one god. And he is supreme over all gods. So what we see at work in the book of Colossians, this is a theme that God is supreme. He's preeminent over all other gods. Now, for us today in the culture we live in today, we don't live in a polytheistic culture. We don't have lots of different gods that we serve. I mean, there are different religions, um, you know, <laughs> there's Islam, there's Judaism, there's all kinds, um, all kinds of different religions. And I would tell you today, we don't all serve the same God, Okay. So let me just say that. I'll leave that there. We'll circle back to that some other time. But we serve God. And you would go, well, of course, I serve God. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have an idol in my house. And you might not have a shrine in your home that you worship. But I would say America is full of idols. 
full of false gods. Because what we've done is we've taken good things and make them, made them supreme, and that becomes a god in our life. So uh, those are the things we think about constantly. Those are the things we work toward. Uh, those are the things we schedule our time around. Those are the things we invest our money in. And I would tell you, if you look at where you spend your time and your money, you can probably identify what you love and what your passions are. Um, and that would include what you worship in many ways. And so this is not a, a message about that today, but that is part of the culture. So I want us to apply our lives to the scripture today to understand that the Colossians weren't too dissimilar from us. There were a lot of similarities. There were a lot of things that worked there that are at work in us. And what Paul was reminding them of, of was the supremacy of Christ, that he is above all things. Um, we were praying before we came out with our team, and, and one of the things I just felt led to pray was that... Um, that we would understand that every circumstance and situation in our life has to bow down to our Heavenly Father. That He is supreme over everything in our lives. And we need to be reminded of that from time to time. And this is what Paul was reminding the Colossian church about. So I'm going to jump in Colossians chapter 1. And some, for those of you that have been around, you know I usually preach from the English Standard Version. And today we're looking at this passage from the New Living Translation, so it's a little different. Uh, it'll be right on the screen, so just follow along with us. This is in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. So Timothy, who the letter of the first and second Timothy were written to him, he was part of the team that was writing this letter. He says, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, may God our Father give you grace and peace. Now this was a standard greeting that Paul would issue. Now one of the things that's a little different though is that a lot of times Paul would mention a lot of people in the church. So he'd write a letter and he would mention a list of people in the church that, hey, say hello to so-and-so, send greetings to, or blessings are on. And he would mention all these people. And here it's pretty brief. And the reason this is brief is because Paul had never been to this town before. So he was familiar with the church, but he didn't know them, didn't have a relationship with them. So there's, there's a different level of intimacy in this letter than you see in some of the other letters he's written. Um, some of them are very personal because he knows the people well. He, he can speak directly to them. And this is a little different because, remember, he was the spiritual father for Epaphras, and Epaphras started the church. So this is like he's, he's their spiritual grandfather, but he doesn't, even really, he doesn't even know the people really. So he's writing this letter to them. Verse 3, he says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, we are constantly praying for you. I don't think this is hyperbole. I really do believe Paul was praying for them constantly. And I love the fact that, um, that even though they were a different church, he didn't even know them. He'd never even been there before. He says, we are constantly praying for you. Because Paul understood that even though your church is uh, 120 miles from the church I planted, um, it's still part of the body. That we are, we are one in Christ. And we see that in a little bit. In the next few weeks, this is something we'll talk more about. But he, he understands that, hey, we are in this thing together. So it doesn't matter if the name of your church is different than the name of my church. We're in this thing together. And this is something for us that we should be encouraged by, but we should also be a little bit challenged by, because I believe we're a church that we endeavor, we work to encourage the body of Christ, not just our church, but the church. We want to bless other churches. We want to help other churches. We want to encourage other pastors, because the kingdom of God is not summit church. The kingdom of God is much bigger than us. So we want to bless the body of Christ. But I will tell you, so we, we should be encouraged in that, because this is something that we work to do. But I would also say we should be challenged by this as well, because we need to be praying for other churches. We need to be 
be praying for our brothers and sisters who attend other churches because just because we get together and just because our church is big doesn't mean we're, we've got the, the market cornered on truth, right? Just because we worship a little differently, our style's different, doesn't mean we're perfect. So we work together, we, we celebrate each other, we pray for each other, and, and this is what we should be doing as a church, and this is what we should be doing as individuals as well. Verse 4 says this, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. So remember, Paul hadn't been there before, so he's saying, I've heard about what God is doing there. I've heard good things, I've heard good reports, and God is at work. So he says, for we've heard of your, your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. Um, we've talked about the word love before, but he says, we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all people. What an incredible way to be known as a church, right? He says, this is what the reputation of your church is, your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. If I could endeavor for our church to be known for anything, it would be to be known the way the Colossian church is known, our faith in Christ Jesus and our love for all God's people, right? But even for us as individuals, that should be what we endeavor to do, what we endeavor to see. The word love there, we've talked about this before, there were, there were five words primarily in the Greek language used for love, and the one we see here is the word agape, and agape means a sacrificial love. This is the love we don't feel like having, but we choose to have. This is the love you have for your boss who makes your life a living hell, but you know that you should love him because the word of God tells you you should, so you, you make the decision to love your boss anyway. Let, let, let's make it more personal. This is the love you have for your spouse when they uh, continue to leave their dirty socks in the middle of the floor week after week after week, right? This is the love you have for your spouse when they do that little thing or they don't do that little thing and you get frustrated and you go, no, 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 I, I don't feel like it, but I'm choosing to love anyway, love sacrificially. Um, this is the love that we should have for our neighbors, for the people around us, but it's only made possible by the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We're not, we're not capable of loving others that way in ourselves. We can't make ourselves. The Holy Spirit has to help us love people in a sacrificial way. So what he says is, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. Now he says your love for all God's people. It's interesting because the word all here, it's the Greek word pas, P-A-S, and it has two meanings. It doesn't, it means, um, if I can say it this way, the macro and the micro. It means the collective and the individual. So it's one thing to say, I love people. Man, I love, I love everybody. Have you ever heard anybody say, I love everybody? And I've thought when I heard that, have you met everybody? <laughs> I know a few people that are hard to love, right? And so we can say things like, I love everybody. And what we're talking about is the collective. But when you think about the individual, there's some people that are hard to love. Think about your family. Aren't there some people in your family that are a little bit hard to love? If there's not, you're crazy. Every family have people that are hard to love. It's just part of life. It's just part of who we are. But what we see here is Paul is, is celebrating the fact that the Colossian church has an agape love, a sacrificial love for everyone. Not just a broad group of people, but the individuals in that group as well. It, <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know when I do something like that that I'm going off, off my notes, don't you? <laughs> How divided is our country right now? Right. 
And it's one thing to say, oh, you know what, I love everybody. I, I love all the Republicans, or I love all the Democrats. And then you get to know somebody and you realize they are the other political party, and all of a sudden do you feel it? <gasps> I don't even know if we can be friends anymore, right? I'm not even exaggerating. It's easy to feel that way a little bit, like, oh no, do we have to fight now? Like, I'm not even sure, right? And it's one thing to say, I love, and it's another thing to make the choice to love all people. To say, I don't care how you voted. I don't care how you supported. At the end of the day, you are the, a child of God, and I make a choice to love you, whether I feel like it or not. Amen. That is hard to do. Our world would be so much better off if the church would act like the church. That we would not just support our political parties, but we would support the, the, the kingdom of God and the advancement of the kingdom of God and the love of God that he shows for all people. We would be better off. Our world would be better off. There would be a whole bunch of cable channels that would be out of business probably too. But this is what God calls us to do. Love all people. Not just the people who like you. Not just the people who agree with you. But the people who are out to get you. The people who, who have villainized you. That's what we're to do, and this is what they were known for. This is what we see. He goes on to say that, that they're known for their faith in Christ Jesus, their love for all God's people. Now listen to this. Which come from your confident hope in what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth um, of the good news. So what he says is basically this love for God's people and our faith in Christ is a result of the good news. So if we've heard the good news, if we've heard the gospel of what Jesus has done in our life, that, that he has changed us, that he's transformed us, he's paid the price for us, then something should fundamentally change in us. Right. That we cannot continue to hate the people that we used to hate. Oh, I just got all in your business, didn't I? <laughs> we can't continue just to go, well, this is just the way I am. We have to submit our hearts to God and let him do the work in us that he wants to do so that we can have a true faith in Christ Jesus and a love for all the macro and micro God's people. That's what he calls us to do. And it's not something we should do. It's something that will happen if our hearts are submitted to Christ. <laughs> it's not easy to do, though, because we battle our sin nature, right? Because we're selfish people. We, we want what we want, and we think we're right all the time. All of us do. We have to battle that so that God can be glorified. Paul goes on to say in verse 6, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I love this because Paul kind of shifts, and he says this, this gospel that you received um, at the, in the Colossian church, Epaphras brought to you the gospel, and it changed your life. But guess what? It's not just changing you. It's changing the whole world. This gospel is spreading and, and moving out throughout all the world, and lives are being changed. So he's trying to help them understand you're part of something much bigger than yourselves. That God's working there, but God's working throughout the whole world. And there's something powerful about understanding how we're connected to the body. That God's not just working at Summit Church in Indiana, PA. God's working throughout the United States. Last week I was in Columbus, Ohio with our, our, our friends Adventure Church. Kyle Hammond is a pastor there. And, and I serve their church in a capacity where I'm, I'm on their 
board, so I get to go in a couple times a year just to encourage them and bless them. But I love seeing what God's doing there. In just a few years, their church has grown. They're close to 700 people on a weekend. Uh, They're in the process of, of buying a piece of property that God's just blessed them with, and they're about to build a building. They're doing incredible things for the glory of God. And I'm grateful that we get to be in relationship with them because we understand God's not just working here. He's working in places like Columbus, Ohio, even when Ohio State loses, right? <laughs> Hopefully they'll lose more often this season. So they're not watching this in Columbus today. So I had, to be a Columbus, I had to be a Buckeye fan a few weeks ago when I was there. They would have left the church when I was preaching. It was the weekend they beat Ohio, uh, Penn State, by the way. And so I just acted like everything was fine, but God had to do a work in my heart in that place. So, <laughs> so what he says is the gospel is going out throughout the whole world. We're part of something bigger. Listen to this. He says, it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. I love this. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. You know, our vision statement here at Summit Church is every life made different. And we want to see the gospel bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Amen. We want to see things developing and growing and changing because that's what God has called us to do. It's interesting in verse 6 here he says the same good news, the gospel that came to you is going out all over the world. This word going out um, it literally means throughout the world. It's expanding, it's increasing, and bearing fruit. Um, there's another interpretation that says bearing fruit and increasing. This word increasing here that we see in several interpretations, it's the Greek word axano, and it's A-U-X-A-N-O. And what it means is, it means literally to grow and increase. And what we see is this is a call of God on our lives. Um, and what we have to understand is, just like I said earlier, um, there's this understanding that it's the, that we love all people, right? The, the, the big picture collective and the individual as well. What we see here is a call for growth in our lives. And this is, again, two-phased. It's the collective and the individual. That collectively, as a church, we should be growing. And individually, as, as the church, I should be growing, that it's not an either-or proposition, it's an and-both, that we should be growing, not just numerically, but we should be taking ground. Because if you look at the definition of, of this word axano, what it really is talking about, number one, is the growth that a child has. Have you ever, if you've had a baby in your home, you've recognized how quickly children grow, how, how fast it happens? You're like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? I've got a 16 and 13-year-old. Do you know what that means? It means I'm old, right? But it happens so fast. And so the word that's used there for growth is the word that describes uh, the growth of a child. It happens almost in a blink of an eye. That, that if a child wasn't growing, we would say there's something wrong. If the child was three years old and the child hadn't grown since they were born, the doctors would be concerned that there's something wrong. But yet sometimes in our spiritual life, we're happy to do that. So we get stunted in our growth and we act like everything's fine, but the truth is something's wrong because there should be growth. Another definition for this word uh, is in the context of a plant. Have you ever seen a weed maybe in your flower bed and you, you see it and you go, oh, I'm just gonna leave it. I'll get it, I'll get it in a few days. And a few days later, it's like that tall, right? But it doesn't just grow individually. It seems like they spread like wildfire. So before you know it, your whole flower bed is taken over by these weeds or your whole yard maybe. And that's the worst because when that happens to your yard, then you have to mow every day to keep the weeds down. It makes your yard look nice. Like, oh yeah, my yard's great. You have to mow every day. You're just beating down the weeds, right? 
because it takes over your yard. And there's this understanding that it doesn't just grow, but it expands. And we should understand that the kingdom of God should constantly be expanding. It is not simply about us and I'm just going to grow and see my little light shine and, you know. No, that, that's good that you're growing, but the kingdom should be advancing as well. It, it should be doing both. Right. And this is what we see here. This is what Paul is celebrating, that the kingdom of God is, is advancing throughout the world, that lives are being changed. He says it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. This is what I would tell you today. Your life, if, if you've experienced the gospel, should be bearing fruit if your life has been changed. If your life is not bearing fruit, then I would say that maybe you've not really experienced the gospel. He says, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. See, I think many times what happens is the reason fruit is not born in our lives when we hear the gospel is that we hear it, but we don't understand it. So we, we hear the message, but it doesn't get in our spirit because we don't really understand it. We don't grasp it. We don't embrace it. Um, I would tell you, this is not meant as a fear tactic or a scare tactic. The day, the Sunday after the rapture of the church, churches across America will be full. Yeah. Because there are going to be people who heard the gospel but didn't understand the gospel. They said, I went to church every Sunday. How did I miss the, how did I miss the rapture of the church? I went to church every weekend. It's because we heard, but we didn't understand. We didn't apply it to our lives. It didn't change us fundamentally. There was no fruit in our lives because we didn't understand it and apply it to our lives. Does that make sense to anybody? So just because we attend church doesn't mean we're going to get a pass. It's got to be about applying it to our lives and understanding the price that Christ paid for us, that that he loved us so much, he laid down his life. No one took his life. He said, I willingly gave it, right? So when we understand what he did for us, it should fundamentally change us. It should make us <clears throat> the type of people that we love all God's people. It should make us the kind of people that are bearing fruit everywhere we go because that's what the gospel does in our lives. And he says, the same gospel that went out is, is a work in you. The gospel that you understand is the gospel that's changing lives throughout the world. Verse 7 says this, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant. He is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Like I said earlier, the the love for others that Christ desires for us to have can only come from the Holy Spirit. Uh, We can't will ourselves to love people the way God wants us to. We have to have a heart that's submitted to God, and then he will help us love people well. And it's an ongoing process, honestly. There are days I don't feel like loving people well. And there are some days I do a good job and some days I do a terrible job. And and there are days that I'm a fantastic father and there are days that I'm mediocre. There are days that I'm a pretty decent husband and there are days that I'm real bad, right? And so it's not about always getting it right and always being perfect. It's about always being submitted to Christ and, and letting him do the work in our hearts that he wants to do. We get to this portion of the, the scripture Verse 9, and I love this, because what Paul does is he prays for the, the Colossian church. So he says this in Colossians 1, 9. So we have not stopped praying for you since we heard about you. 
We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I want to stop there. There's several things in this passage I want us to look at. The the first thing is this. He says, hey, I'm praying that God will give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wouldn't you love that? Complete knowledge of God's will? Like, that would be pretty nice, right? We got college students that are like, I would love to know the will of God for my life so I know where to work, who to marry, right? I would love to know that. But really, this isn't talking about the specific plans. What it's really talking about is God's desire for us. Because if what Paul is saying to the Colossian church is, if you could get a glimpse of what God has dreamed about for your life, it will change who you are. If we could begin to understand that God's plans for us are so much better than our plans for us, it would change everything. So he's, he's saying, I pray that you would have this, this knowledge of his will, that who he is and what he wants to do in your life, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Listen to this. And he says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and will produce every kind of good fruit. So if we can have a grasp of the, the plans God has for us, if we can have a little bit of spiritual wisdom in our lives, it will fundamentally change us because it'll help us honor and please the Lord, and it's going to produce every kind of good fruit in our lives. But this is his prayer for the church. And he says, all the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And he, again, he uses the same word as earlier, oxano. You will grow as you learn to know the Lord better and better. So as we learn to love the Lord more and more, and learn who he is and what he's all about, we're going to grow in our faith. So, so this is what you have to understand. When we encourage you to get plugged into a small group, to find a community that you can be plugged into, um, it is not just simply so we can pat our small group numbers. When we're encouraging you to find a place to serve in our church, to, to learn to live generously with your finances, it is not self-serving, I promise you, because something happens in us when we serve along someone. Whenever we learn to give generously, that's the heart of God for us. So when we learn about who God is and his desire for us, it helps us grow in him. It helps us become who he wants us to be. It helps us to have a greater affection for our Heavenly Father. And this is Paul's prayer for the Colossian church, but it's true for us as well, because at the end of the day, this is what is a catalyst for growth in our lives. And again, he uses this word oxano. He's praying that they would grow as they learn to know God better and better. Verse 11 says this, we pray, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. He goes on to say, may you be filled with joy, always thinking, uh, thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Now, I love this prayer. This is a 100% selfless prayer on Paul's part. He didn't pray anything for himself. He didn't pray anything for, I pray that you be blessed so that you can help a brother out because I'm a missionary and I need some support as I'm doing this work, right? He didn't say anything like that. He says, I'm praying that you're blessed. I'm praying that you know God more and more. I'm praying that you understand his will for your lives. Like, this is, this is a beautiful prayer that he's praying, and a very specific prayer. And this is what I would tell you today. This is a little bit convicting as a pastor, even, because I can pray specific prayers for my kids, right? I love them, and I'm for them. So I pray for their future husbands. I pray for God's will in their life. I pray for spiritual understanding and wisdom in their lives. I pray for these kind of things for my girls, but I don't pray these kind of things normally for other churches, especially churches I don't even know. 
This is a little bit convicting because, again, if I truly believe that we're the body of Christ, I should be praying prayers like this. Now, let's, let's bring it down a little, a little closer to home. Um, the truth is, you can tell a lot about your own spiritual maturity if you look at your prayers. Because for many of us, we pray prayers like, God, help me, bless me, give me. And those prayers are necessary. Those prayers are important. But if those are the only prayers we're praying, it should be an indication to you that there is something deficient in your spiritual life. That maybe you were born, but, but you haven't grown since you were born. That there needs to be some development that happens in your life. Because children are selfish. But it, if my wife at Christmas time um, started throwing a fit about what she got or didn't get, I can't believe you didn't get me. And she storms off and locks herself in the bathroom. I can see a five-year-old doing that, right? I wanted the, the Hello Kitty. And they go out, right? But if a grown woman is doing that, I'm going, okay, hey, wait. Maybe we need to talk to somebody, right? Maybe there's some issues there. And we do this spiritually many times. Um, yeah. I love where we live, Western Pennsylvania, it's blue collar, working class. Um, by and large, the, the people that live in this area, they've, they've worked for what they've got. Um, and I have very little tolerance for people who are entitled and think they deserve something. And the truth is, some of us approach God that way sometimes. We say, God, I said a prayer one time and I go to church pretty regular, so you owe me. And we come off as this entitled, spoiled child. And what Paul prays here for, for the, the Colossian church is beautiful and selfless. He's praying for their best. He doesn't even know them. And so as your pastor, that's challenging to me. Because I think God wants us to pray these kind of prayers for our brothers and sisters, for the churches around us, for the people we see, for ministries we don't even know about. You know, well, I've heard of them, but man, God, minister, bless, help, Work in them. I heard a pastor say one time, a mark of a good pastor is, is when he will pray just as hard for someone else's message as he does his own. And honestly, there are times that, that I have to conscientiously go, God, bless Judah Thomas over at Word of Grace as he's preaching today. Man, their church, their church is growing like crazy. I love it. I can celebrate with them that their church, is, their church is like three times as large as it was when Judah went there just a few years ago. Amen. God is working in incredible ways at their church. And I want to have a heart that celebrates that, that doesn't get defensive or, or competitive. or like, Why would they go there? Why don't they come here? Because we're the best, right? God, give me the heart that we can celebrate wins for the people around us, yeah. that we can pray these prayers and pray, God, work miraculously in that church and the churches around us that are proclaiming Jesus Christ. That's what God's desire for us is. So, so we see all this, and then we say, well, how does that happen? Because that seems like a tall order, doesn't it? And Paul wraps it up in, first, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He says, For he, talking about Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. See, God, in his infinite goodness, he rescued us out of darkness. And he transferred us in to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his son, 
and we can experience life because of that. And if this ever veers from our focus, then we can get sidetracked and it makes it hard for us to love others when we forget what Christ has done for us. When we remember who he is, what he's called us to, what he's done for us, then it makes it easier for us to submit our hearts to him and to see God move in our lives. Uh, this is why we have communion. The first weekend every month, we re receive communion together because we want to remember, we want to celebrate, we want to take time to go, no, 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 you know what? We're not going to get sidetracked on anything. doesn't matter because what matters most is that Christ laid down his life for us. And if we can keep that in focus, then that changes everything. It makes it so much easier for us to understand that hey, I, I have to love those around me because Christ loves those around me. Yeah. If we keep that singular focus. And this is what Paul kind of brings it all back to at this point. He reminds us that we've been transferred. We have been lifted out of darkness into light. And this last verse, verse 14 says, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now last week, if you missed last week, um, my wife, Pastor Kim, she spoke and did a great job. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I am biased, 100% biased, okay? But she still did a great job. And she talked last week about freedom. And uh, if you weren't here, if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can download the podcast or watch the video from the website, but, but you need to get caught up on that. But, but this is what we have to understand. There are things in our lives that we need to be set free from. But it all begins with us being set free from the slavery of sin in our lives. And the truth is, all of us need to be set free from sin at some point. Yes. And sometimes we continue to repent and go back, God, I still need some help. I thought I was good, but God, I need some help. And he will continue to do the work in our lives. But what we see is that's where it all begins. And maybe you're here today and you've never been set free from sin. Maybe you're dealing with something that's just been nagging you for years and you've never really given that to God. You've been trying to fight it on your own, battle it on your own. You've got something going on that you thought, I can get a hold of this, I can take care of this, and you couldn't. I'm telling you, God can help you. God can set you free from the slavery of sin. Amen. There's a passage in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't mean we're going to ask you to come forward and share with a group. That's not what it means. What it means is you confess your sins to the Lord. Say, God. This is why I need you. This is why I struggle. This is what this is about. He will forgive you. Yes. He will set you free from the slavery of sin. Now, there's a passage in Galatians 5, 1 that says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What happens sometimes in our lives is we get set free from sin. We're, we're set free, and then we go back to that yoke of slavery. Yep. We go back and we go, oh, I'm going to put this back on. There's literally a picture of us standing on the auction block that we're being sold into slavery. Christ shows up, he pays the price, he buys us out of slavery, and then at some point we willingly walk back and get on the block and are sold back into slavery. Not because he didn't pay the price, but because our hearts drift back to that thing. And I'm telling you today, God can do the work here. Amen. So before... Before we focus on anything else, I want us just to say, God, you have our hearts today. So if you're here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Christ, to be set free from the power of sin, and to see God work. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room. God, I love you today, and I'm so grateful that you love us, that you're for us, that God, you want to work in us. And God, we may have had failures in our past, 
Lord, we may have blown it and done stupid things. I thank you that today you love us anyway, that you're willing to set us free from sin, to forgive our past, and to give us a bright future. So Lord, I'm praying today for those that are here that aren't in relationship with you, that don't know you, that today would be the day that their hearts would be submitted to you, that they would surrender their lives to you, and that we would see you change their lives, the direction of their lives by 180 degrees, that everything would change today. That Lord, you would help them understand your will for their lives. That Lord, you would give them spiritual insight and wisdom, God, that you'd help them grow Lord, just as a child grows, help them grow in their faith and become who you desire for them to be. And I pray that it would change their families. I pray that it would change their community, God. I pray that you would use the people in this room in incredible ways. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say to me, Mel, you know what? Um, what you described as me, um, the truth is I feel like I am a slave to sin It doesn't mean you're horrible. It doesn't mean you're the worst person in the world. What it means, though, is that you need to be set free. You need someone to purchase your freedom. And I'm telling you today, Jesus Christ is here to purchase your freedom for you, to set you free from the slavery of sin. And if you're here today and you say, Mel, I need to surrender my life to Christ. I need to be purchased out of the slavery of sin today. I want you to pray for me. I just want you to slip your hand up real high to signify that you'd like me to pray for you, and you can put your hand back down. Is there anybody here that would say, that's me, pray for me, Mel. Today's my day. I want to su- submit my heart to God. I want to surrender my life. Thank you, sir. Yeah, who else would say, that's me, pray for me. Today's my day. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Is there anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand, sir. You can put your hand down. Praise the Lord. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else? Thanks. Appreciate that. I see you up there. Praise God. I'd like everyone in the room, whether you raised your hand or not, just to repeat this prayer with me out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me by paying the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. I'll never go back to my old ways and my old life. From now on, my life is yours. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today, can't we? Now listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited for you. And I cannot wait to see what God's gonna do in your life. Uh, We wanna help you take the next step. Just like when a baby is born, they need somebody to come alongside them and help them develop and grow. We wanna come alongside you and help you develop and grow. We wanna get you resources and get you in relationships. They're gonna help uh, be a catalyst for you to grow in your life, in your spiritual life, to see that axano happen. And so if you would, fill the card that's in the seat back in front of you out. On one side, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. If you'll fill out the side of the card that says salvation and simply drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave. There's two in the back of the room, one in the balcony, and one outside these east doors. It'll take you about one minute to fill that card out. So fill that out, drop it off for us, and we're gonna help you take the next step. If you're watching online today, or maybe you're here in the room but can't reach one of the cards, you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're gonna respond back to you, help you take the next step in your faith journey. Here's what's gonna happen right now. Our worship team's gonna lead us in one more song. We're gonna worship together. We're gonna sing together. And while we're doing that, our prayer team is gonna make their way forward to either side of the stage. And if you need prayer for any reason at all today, no matter what it may be, 
as we begin to sing, step out from your seat and find one of our prayer team members and let them agree with you before you leave today. And then in just a moment, when we're done singing, Pastor Todd Stanley, our, our worship pastor, is going to come and he'll close us out and dismiss us. I do want to let you know, though, he's got a, a, a short video we're going to show you about somebody's life in our church that's been impacted and how they're impacting others. And uh, you don't want to miss that. So don't slip out early unless you have an absolute emergency. And then in just a moment, uh, Pastor Todd will dismiss us and close us. So stand to your feet all over the room. Let's worship together one more time before we get out of here today, guys. Uh, I hope you know this. I tell you often, I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.